Hello, 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 all you listeners, and welcome to the F World and F1 Formula a Formula One Deep Dive Podcast, analyzing the races, the news, and all the drama surrounding the F1 circus. There's no race this, this last weekend, you might be wondering, but there is still some fun little drama. We are located in Abbotsford, beautiful British Columbia. It's an absolutely gorgeous day out today. Sun's out, shining. It's beautiful. And we're located on the unceded and traditional territory of the Stalo First Nations, the people of the Ripper. You can also find us on demand anytime and anywhere on Spotify, uh, the F World. You just search the F World, and you can find us on Twitter at the F World unders- underscore pod and Instagram at the F World dot pod. I'm your host, Taryn Midzane, a sports editor for the Cascade and Alternative Press, the Fraser Valley. As always, I am joined by my co-host, my lovely co-host, Mary Ange. Hello, hello. And my and our special guest co-host, we uh, special guest starring Walter Foreman, the F1 guru of the Fraser Valley. Well, good morning to you and to the listeners as well, or good afternoon if you happen to be listening to this at a later time or in a different time zone. It's always a pleasure to be back, as you said. No race last weekend, but uh, in Formula One, there's always things to talk about. Always things to talk about. And before we start, I just wanted to yet again send a special shout out to our good friend in Belgium, whoever you are, wherever you are. You're downloading. I can see. Th- I see the analytics. You're the, always the first one to download. And God bless you. We love you. Well, s- certainly, I, I would. I would invite that listener to get in touch. Um, how can he do that? Well, she? <laughs> there's so many ways. You can always find us on our Instagram, theFworld.pod. Send us a little DM, a like, a follow. We don't care. Uh, we do care. We just don't care which one you do. You can also follow us on. You can look and follow us on our Discord to interact with Walter, Marianne, and I all together on any time during the day the f world podcast on uh discord you can do that and you can send us a little absolutely it'd be so much fun because we want to have more people uh in our rookie pool we always have one and uh winner could who knows what the, who knows what the winner gets Winner, winner so could get nothing <laughs> or <laughs> winner can get a lot uh-huh. who knows what happens a hearty handshake a, a, hearty a, handshake. a crisp high five a crisp from, high five from all of us here from across the atlantic atlanta well, for the Belgium, for yeah, the Belgium, for, the Belgium for, for someone in Chilliwack or, or in Abbotsford, Although, we, you might, know, we could drive to their place. I'll go to Belgium. I would happily go to Belgium. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Could I, you imagine if we it. do? Imagine if we do a specialty episode where all of us fly to Belgium and hang out Let's with their it. with their solo Belgium listener. We're not. Pr- we're not. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna start like unfollowing uh, because we're no, getting like don't. stalkerish. Yeah, right. No pressure. No, no, no pressure. Yeah. Just keep listening to the show. Yeah. Get in touch with us, and then we'll yeah. take it from there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And eventually, we'll just all show up the at your door. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, what I want to find out is: does someone else have a different, um, uh, what's it called, a different order for the rookie pool? Because and I've been wondering if I should change it. I don't know if I'm legally allowed to. I feel like I'm locked no. in my answers. Okay, fine, I'm locked in my answers. We're but locked in. I want to have someone to give us the first ever DeVries as the top, the winner. Mm. No one's mm. done it yet. Yeah, and I, right. And I think that De- and I was going to, but I I had a lot of strong hope for the, for Williams. I still do. I still I still trust James Bulls and sure, and, sure. and and everything. So, but uh, I I was really wondering if I should go uh, DeVries or DeVries as sometimes we call him. Um, Devries, Sergeant Piastri, um, because you just never know with with like I think there's so many so much good talent coming out, and he came out with a really with a arguably a worse car than all of the cars this year. Came out last year and scored double points for his for his debut. 
Yeah, a lot of it comes down to the car and the team as well. There's been a lot of, not a lot, there's been some rumblings about Alpha Tauri and, and what they may or may not be called in the future, who may or may not own them, what they may or may not do in the future. So, you know, you need stability, I think, to perform well. And, and perhaps that's another element that's lacking right now at Alpha Tauri is that stability that's, you know, not allowing DeVries to really show his true potential. Yeah, good good points. Um, That's fair. Yeah, I don't like. And in, in, in does that uh, do those points? Do you think those points also add to Yuki at all, or do you think that's just Yuki being Yuki and it's the driver? Yeah, I, all of the above. I think uh, those challenges <laughs> would apply to him, and he may actually exa- exacerbate those challenges as well. He may make those uh, challenges even bigger and stronger. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on there. Um, time will tell, as always. Yeah, and like, uh, I don't know. I really don't know with AlphaTauri or Toro Rosso or the future of it. I think that there's always the fun thing that um, th- if they are getting sold, it'd be interesting to see who is allowed to even pick up the team and what. But and would that be even necessary? Let's say, let's say it takes a while for it to happen. Let's say it's go- AlphaTauri is with us until or whatever name it goes by is with is with Formula One for. Just after 2026, okay. Uh, let's say like 2028. Uh, let's say Ford wants it. Ford engine does a good job. They decide, hey, 2028 comes around. That'd be exciting. We're gonna t- we'll buy the Alpha Tower team from Red Bull if they get uh, and uh, have a partnership thing there. Who who knows? That would be, be complete full circle, given how Red Bull got into F1 by buying the Jaguar team, which was at the time owned by Ford. So that which was oh, which yeah. was the old Ford team. Yeah, which would be complete yeah. full circle. So it'd be it'd interesting. It'd be a complete yeah. What a what a turntable of irony that would be. Like, <laughs> a turntable of irony. Yeah, are we going to quote? Are we going? Oh my god, that's a good line. Yeah, I'm going to keep that. I yeah. When I when we take th- when we finish the recording, we will I will find that soundbite and, and collect it and save it for the future of the show. Sounds that was, good. That was at six minutes and a thirty turn seconds. Turntable of irony. The turntable of irony. That's uh. That's the new moniker of. Feels like a really bad band name. Or really good. Or name. really good. Yeah. Or really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. By the way, you heard it here first. So if you hear any <laughs> anyone that says the turntable of irony, copyright. Yeah, that is ours. <laughs> They go with some money. Please give us money. Please donate too. Please, uh, please give us money. <laughs> please give us money so we can go to more races. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Uh, like Alpha Tower was, uh, I don't know. I, I felt that this week in general was a no race week. Let's grab any story that can splash an F1 and post about it. Well, I mean, that's what they do between seasons too. It's, it's just, just can we make something that's nothing into something? Yeah, but that's, I mean this this week felt media. <laughs> this week felt like more so the the to, to do it. And it kind of like This week it, it was kind of all over the place. It was more chaotic than usual. Yeah. We really kind of embraced the idea of the 2020s being the roaring 20s being the silly 20s and just <laughs> just going for it. Um like new like crazy news. I like what well, well, crazy story. What what are some crazy ones that you found because there was one that I found and then we kind of we uh, Marianne and I uh, before we were recording we we're kind of talking about but like what about you like yeah I I would be surprised if 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 mine were any different than yours I think uh, you know we're looking at the same sources very often I think our interests seem to generally align although different perspectives given my longer time on this planet 
meaning <laughs> I'm older. Um, but that was I think, gracefully you know, done. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think we had, um, as you say, a lot. And I'd be happy if you want to walk us through yours, because I think really they're going to align. OK, well, then I'll, I'll kick us off with uh, kind of something that's not F1 related at the start. I just wanted to give a big shout out to uh, the Formula E. They had their first ever uh, Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Oh, nice. Uh, this last week on, on the Saturday. Uh, was a really fun one to watch. I haven't, I've only really, I've heard, heard about it in last year when there was the talk of Vancouver getting one. I got more into uh, Formula E. Yeah. And as a, like, it's tough because I want the sound. I want the engines. Mm-hmm. I want the drivers yelling at each other or at the engineers when you hear the radio chatter. Because they like they have to talk over one person is talking really quietly and then the driver's yelling over this roar of the engine. I miss that um, the the murder to my eardrums and it's kind of weird hearing someone go like, "Hey, um, Cassidy, <laughs> you have a, a good time <laughs> clearing." He's like, "Yeah, thanks, guys." And it's just like it's very clear and open. Yeah, so sure. This is weird. Um, the cars sound like the cars from the Jetsons, which mm-hmm. is always makes me smile. Yeah. But what's really fun with it is as a racing perspective, it is very very close. They're so regulated to be the same, and there's certain moments where, like, they have like attack mode where the battery gets more more power, um, or you use more power to get more speed, and then you have to have a strategy difference because your battery might run out of juice in the middle of the race, and it has, <laughs> and mm. there were some that did. So you have these cars that oh, there's the virtual safety car. They all oh, these cars jump in to recharge the batteries for this dead zone of time, and yeah, sometimes you're pushing it. There was one race last season where. The the guy in the in the front was was who was winning pushed his car too much that his battery ran out to defend, and so he had to like DNF the race because he ran out of juice. And it's oh, yeah. I mean, we used to see it in Formula One where cars would run out of fuel in a race. I don't think we've seen that in a very long time. So that's yeah. similar. Um, you know, I've heard good things about Formula E. I've seen a couple of races. I've not really invested much time in it just because there's so much content related to Formula One that really captures my attention. Um, I don't often waver away from that. But having said all that, I think, yeah, there's there's been a lot of good things said about FE, Formula E. Uh, the cars now can do a full race. I think in the early seasons, they had to switch cars. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. They had the so each, it's, it's come a long ways. Yeah, each driver had uh, a separate car that you they part of their pit stops was, and you could only do like one pit stop or something because you would switch the cars. So it was this question of when you would take that pit stop to switch cars. Wait, how long of a pit stop is that? How? Oh, they were how very like um just yeah jump in the other car and away you go. It's yeah pretty quick. Yeah, it's it's like it's 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 shocking when you see it. So happen. they had a whole separate physical second car. I'm just um, picturing. That they just jumped in and finished the race in that one. Yeah. What's that show with I the car know. that has the welded door? I don't know. What you're Dukes of Hazard. Yes, yeah. thank you. I knew no it had problem. a Dukes. Remember in me? It. The long. Yeah. Been on the planet a long time. And it's like that's all I'm picturing is like they're just like hopping in, hopping out. Yeah. And it's just like. Well, the, and there would be there would be like controversies of no maybe not controversies the right word but there'd be sometimes where the driver would jump into the wrong car. Because he's taking his teammates' <laughs> car, and oh, so wow. they have to like because it yeah. well, because it's so quick that like sure. they're they're trying to save as much time as you can. But my dad did that once. Yeah, yeah, he went into the van that was ahead of us, and <laughs> he was he was picking up pizza right, and we're in this minivan because we had a minivan, and this same mark, same color minivan was ahead of us, and my dad just hopped in with the guy and 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 just sat there and he's like okay hon let's go and the guy's just looking at my dad and being like 
You're in the wrong car. It's a very low-key <laughs> car jacking. <laughs> With <you> pizza. <laughs> yeah, do you want pizza? Want a slice of pepperoni can for take, five miles? Can I take your Honda Odyssey if I give you a uh, pizza? No. Um, but I to jump back to the EP, I want to give a special shout-out to uh, Mitch Evans because the Jaguar T- TCS racing team were the one that came back and won it, and all of the uh, winners were like less than a second from each other they were it was such a tight battle at the end between mitch evans nick cassidy and sam bird two australians and one uk boy uh two jaguars and one envision racing and it was so much uh the envision nick cassidy in, in the envision green car which you would love it's a very nice striking green car very uh, nice. uh split the two jaguars it was a it was a fun one uh i just really i don't know like as a secondary racing to watch it's it's nice. It's all street circuits, very very tight, very narrow uh, circuiting and, and tracks, so that uh, the the overtakes have to be very calculated and very daring. Uh, the cars are all running very 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 similar similarly, which some might say that's a that's a turn off the race. But you get to kind of see um, it's like why you like why you like karting, sure, because it's all so regulated and it's everyone's got the very very similar things that you're just everyone's just gunning for it and the guys have given as much as they can. But another kind of fun thing is we all know the story of Porsche or Porsche, as, a, as, a, as the correct pronunciation is, wasn't able to get their 2026 bid. They they pulled out of the 2026 for, for Formula One, but the Porsche ra- other Porsche race it, racing teams have been doing pretty good. So I remember, Walter, you and I were talking about uh, one of the qualifying episodes with Ferrari mm-hmm. right at the time that the right, Piper car. In, yep. And and teams and organize these big racing uh, companies in Marion. You out, outside of the podcast have also talked to me a couple of times that Formula One started off as car manufacturers trying trying to build the best car and yeah. using a way to do that. This is one I think this might be another case where Porsche is doing really well in the in the Formula E championships. They're doing well in their uh, own. Ironically, they weren't doing. They used to have a, a 911 GT3 championship or a gt3 racing which is all about the 911 and then yeah. Porsche, and then people started jumping into that and the porsche started losing their own competition mm. <laughs> so and they're apparently doing really well with the new 911 so is this do you think the porsche is it really that sad for porsche to not get into f1 or is it kind of fun because that means other types of racing get a really high caliber team they can focus on that and bring these other racing leagues out the same not the same but as Make it more fun. So this this plays into a larger, possibly more controversial take that I have that I haven't, I think, vocalized on air. Um, and that I definitely don't think I've, I've talked to you about, but I don't, I feel, I would rather the sport not have two drivers per team and have more teams. So for me, any time that there's an option that's taken off the table for some sort of uh, mechanical diversity, I uh, I always find that a little shame because I, I, I don't watch sports, right? And this is the reason I don't watch Formula E's because I'm a petrol head and I, I, like, I like the engine. I like the technology. That's what gets me into Formula One as opposed to watching basketball is because when I watch basketball or football, I'm just like, okay, well, I just want to grab a ball and go outside, right? If I watch um, FE, my first thought is going to be like, well, I just want to go karting, right? Because then it's really watching the drivers and everything, and I'm, I'm in it for the technology. So anytime that a new team can't make it in, 
right? It's going to be, it's going to be a shame for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad Porsche didn't make it in. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would share that sentiment. I, I think more teams on the grid is, is better for the spectacle, better for the racing. And especially when it's a team with the pedigree of Porsche, right? So we've had a lot of teams, you know, lower ranking teams in F1, uh, HRT, I think where Daniel Ricardo got his start, uh, Minardi, although they did have some achievements, you know, super agree, like all these teams that were just there, Spiker, and, and, you know, they were there for a season or two, didn't have much impact. I think Formula One can do without them, although if they meet the criteria and do get in, then, I mean, good on them, but... When you have a manufacturer like Toyota was in F1 for a spell, although they yeah. didn't really achieve much, unfortunately. <laughs> but y we have t uh, talk of Porsche coming in. Would have been fantastic to see them. Obviously, a huge, long history in racing. They know how to build cars. They know how to build engines. Um, I, I think it would have been great for F1. I right. would uh, love to see them in there. I'd love to see any sort of top-tier team like Porsche uh, on the grid so I and, and I think you know I was looking back through some old race results the other day and you know back in the 80s there were you know 24 25 26 cars on the grid the grids were bigger mind you the cars were smaller and that's an issue I mean if you had 24 of the current F1 car on the streets in Monaco that's it's already a challenge with 20 if you had 24 that would be a huge challenge so I mean well there's balances, there's gives and give and take to everything. But long story short, yeah, I, I would definitely like to see Porsche on the grid. Yeah. Would, you know, <coughs> and it sounds that uh, hopefully in 26 we might see a big car regulation change with sizing, engines, everything. Who knows what happens there? But I guess my, one of my questions, I guess my question, my follow-up question to this would be, would you have preferred Porsche to get into F1 versus Audi because Mary oh. you pointed out something to me that I had to research. I did a little bit of research, not too much on it, but Audi has a very good reputation of jumping in, winning a couple championships, then leaving. Porsche has a very good reputation of jumping in, winning a couple championships, then sucking for about like five <laughs> years and then rebuilding their team but staying with it for a long time. Not a lot of, like, even their own GT3 championship, which was originally only run by Porsche, Porsche 911s. And then other teams came in. And even when the other teams were doing really well, when Ferrari was coming in, when, um, like, Skylines were coming in and beating Super GTs out, GT3s out, Porsche didn't leave. They just stayed with it and then made a better car. And then the same thing, like, with endurance, endurance championships, Audi came in, won a couple championships, left, while Porsche was still involved, and this obviously this was a, a different time years ago when Porsche wasn't bought by by Volkswagen, by the Volkswagen Auto Group yet. But even with that, they've still stayed in with championships for a long time. Would that have been a really fun thing to have in F1, another long-term manufacturer that has a good long racing blood DNA? Um, that would like so out of the two of them. Before you guys answer though, I wanted to give Walter a little bit of a deep divery more. Uh, for the Porsche FE team, uh, everyone knows, you know, Red Bull was on top with talk with Porsche. And I was like, oh, what's with Porsche, Red Bull, you know, is it the German, all that type of talk? Not really. Kind of. Tag Heuer, the mm. watch company, yep. is a major sponsor of Porsche, mm -hmm. of Porsche's teams. Yep. 
there were also a major, and there was a time where it used to be tag who were Red Bull racing at the start. Yeah, like, that's right. And then they suddenly dropped that. it off and yep. went away. And yep. there's the connection that everyone has been like, like that some people, that not everyone, I think every F1 journalist and, and racing journalist always knew the connection was there. But when I talked to my, my, my posse outside, they were like, where was the connection in Porsche? How did they get involved? The sponsorship deals, guys. Well, and I think Porsche has been an engine uh, supplier to F1 in years past as well. Yeah, I, so I think so. Definitely. Or at least Porsche branded engines. They may not have been built by Porsche. And, and maybe they were. I just don't recall. But I absolutely unequivocally know that Porsche, the name Porsche, has been in F1 in relation to not only sponsorships, but actually, you know, the constructors, either mm -hmm. as an engine branded that way or actually built. And I can't recall. Yeah, because you can like... Not actually build, be a manufacturer supplier, but you can take the manufacturer supplied engine and tweak it around a little bit. It's like like McLaren used to be a manufacturer for a long time. That's how they got in. I think there used to be where so many times you'd, you'd have to be able to be basically prove you can build an engine. You'll have to tweak and move things around and, and, and all that type of stuff. But so maybe that's where you're kind of. Yeah. So there's certainly that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. But to my main question, though. Right. Which one? Um, for me, it's kind of two sides of the same coin, uh, given the, the, the larger corporate ownership. Yeah. But, of course, I'm sure within that corporate structure, they are allowed some level of autonomy. Um, I think Audi arguably would have the deeper pockets. That is more money. And so that's always important to F1, although it is you know supposed to be capped how much you can spend. But that's about the car development. I mean, if you're launching a new team... You want to have deep pockets also for everything else, you know, your promotion and everything else. And maybe that isn't the cost cap. I, I don't know. I've never looked that closely, but I'm sure they can always, everybody can find ways around. And so if you're coming into F1, I think you need to come in with, you know, all guns blazing. And I, I think Audi could arguably do a better job of that. Uh, the racing on the track, you know, that's anybody's guess. Wait and see. Uh, but so far, Audi seems quite committed to it. Not to say Porsche wouldn't be. Um, but I think if Porsche wanted to be in there bad enough, they would have found a way. I think they sort of encountered some resistance and said, all right, well, we gave it a shot. Good enough. Let's move on. I think if they really wanted to be, they could have been. Uh, so Audi, Porsche, I'm just glad. Uh, arguably, if both could be, that'd be awesome. But I'm glad one of them found their way there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to echo that a little bit. You know, I. Nice I'm of the mind that like if both would have gotten in, it would have been cool. But yeah. as nice long as one, as long as there's new teams, you know, that's that's just you can put Subaru in there. I'll I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, should you imagine? Just actually, actually, no. I really want that to be a thing because like just just having the normal like non-racing cars as a reference. I have yet to get into a car that has the same kind of steering feel as a Subaru. You could go 30 kilometers an hour and still feel like you're racing in those little cars. Mm -hmm. Like, they just, they turn so nicely. Mm. I remember, um, my, remember my Honda, my brother's Honda Civic. Um, was like He had like a 2005, just like the, the basic Civic, where it was like an aluminum plating and then car engines. You had yeah. like nothing in between. Yeah, yeah. So if you crash that thing, you were to crumple It's like the perfect you. first car. Yeah, and it, it literally, it, it, was, it was like a small heart attack every single time I drove because it's like, I was driving so fast. I was driving like <laughs> 50 kilometers and it felt like I was driving 80 and because and, and, you just never know when yeah, a rock, 
a rock would chip your side and you'd have the massive dealt dent like a like oh a yeah, golf ball yeah, hit yeah. You. Like, oh my gosh well one nick and i'm like split in half yeah to, to clarify like i meant that in all the best possible ways with oh Subaru. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, at no point was i ever upset because i felt that i was really living life to the fullest in that ho- little honda civic i can imagine so yeah i would yeah. love to see the little honda del souls come back oh what a time but speaking of honda <laughs> What yeah, about let's get them back in the ring. Yeah, because they're apparently they're they're doing a, a bid to become an official engine supplier, uh, engine ma- engine manufacturer supplier. You got McLaren looking openly saying that they're looking they're shopping around. Williams, uh, James Voles after uh, Bahrain said that he was looking at whatever is best for Williams, whether that yeah. be Mercedes engines or another supplier engine. Honda's been proving really well. I kind of feel bad that. Uh, Red Bull's taking the Honda design and just made their own engines, and they're like, ah, we got this winning engine strategy now. It's like, well, you're just taking it from Honda, and Honda really deserves a lot of credit for how they uh, came back in after after Red Bull moved away from Renault back in 2018, 2019, and just took years to build a, such a solid engine. Love to see them back, but not just as a menu engine supplier, but as a team. Well, do we... So I'm not I'm not very in touch with the whole like um, what's going on in 2026 and regulations and that side of the game and everything. Is there a maximum of of teams that can be that can be added? Like, are they looking at no more than two or no more than one team added in 2026? And if so, is it kind of a, a race between the bids and the teams to see who can get in or is it kind of anyone's game and they could add four team if everyone bid properly? I think that if there's enough money, it's anyone's game. Yes and no. I mean, in the and I don't even know if it's around anymore, but uh, back in the day when there was a thing known as the Concord Agreement, which was part of the part of the when Bernie Eccleston owned F Formula One. Right. There was something known as the Concord Agreement, which they would negotiate at some regular interval with all the other teams, and it would sort of lay out these types of things. So back in the day, as if I remember correctly, the last Concord agreement that I can recall allowed for up to 24 cars on the grid. Okay. So 12 teams of two. So we're looking at a maximum of two teams, but, possibly. But I don't know if that's still the case. So it might be, it may not be. I don't think the current number of 20 is the maximum, however. Uh, now that is to say, is there a maximum? There must be. What is it? I don't know, but I don't think that it's 20. Um, talking about Honda and talking about manufacturers coming in, coming out, you know, winning and not winning, Honda has a long history with F1, of course, dating back to you know the McLaren, Marlboro, Honda days of the 80s. And they were very formidable as an engine supplier. Um, they have a history of being a works team, but not always having great success. Um, 2009, what became the Braun team that won the championship that year, the constructors and the drivers, uh, was Honda the year before that and was a terrible car. Um, so we've seen Honda make some really almost Alonzo-esque decisions about <laughs> their involvement in F1. That is to say, not necessarily the greatest decision at the greatest time, albeit Alonzo's decision this year to join Aston, of yeah. course, is looking so far to be brilliant. But Honda, you know, they're in, they're out, they're winning, they're not winning. It seems they're always about 180 degrees off of where they should be. So I don't know if they're going to want to come back as a full-fledged constructors team. But as an engine supplier, 
I suspect that they will and they'll have some success again. But that's also a different question, right? Like it's it's different to think of like what teams would we like to see back on the grid and yeah. then what teams would we like to see win? Right? Like as yeah. as yeah. someone who enjoys a good amount of chaos, I don't mind if a team joins in and they're like nowhere near making points. Sure, and right. there have been lots of those. And there's been lots of those. We still have a couple teams right now that <laughs> are still, kind of, still do, you yes. know. One of those McLaren. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like, you know, are they going to show up with all four wheels next time? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, add a couple more of those inside, and I'm, I'm still game for it. It's still entertaining. Yeah, th you're right. There's something to be said for that. Uh, modern Formula One is, is so commercial, so regulated, so regimented, that it's lost a little bit of that romanticism that you used to see maybe with you know when James Hunt was a driver, those teams that could just kind of show up and scrape together a team in a car and go out and you know kind yeah. of bring a little uncertainty to it. Um, there Will is something they, to be they? said for that. Yeah, 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 and that's. Uh, have we stalled long enough for you to look up Concord Agreement? <laughs> you did ex exactly <laughs> that. So I was able to find it. Um, Perfect. Able to find the 2020. It is uh, signed in 2021. Yeah. This Concord Agreement brought in two things. Uh, one was majorly uh, the cost back. The cost. Oh, shoot, that was my pen. Sorry, guys. That what it was the cost budget. Yeah. Introducing the cost cap and introducing the fact that you can adjust the cost cap, that it can be negotiated, which was right. a question of. Uh, recently cost budget, all that, it can be renegotiated. So it doesn't always have to go down. It can go back up. Um, but it presumably it would need agreement of all the teams or a certain all, percentage of the teams at least. All 10 teams yeah, have to yeah. essentially agree like on, never on, on most of the, the stuff. I, I think it sounds like a lot of them are trying to agree. Uh, but one of the things is with the Concord Agreement signed in 2021 through to 2025, okay. which would be things uh, 26 cars. 26. 26. All right. Well, are, it was readjusted because originally you were you were correct. It lowered it to 24. And uh, yeah, lowered it to 24. And then this new Concord agreement allowed it to have 2026. So, uh, sorry, not 2026. This is new. This new agreement up until 2025 allows for 20 for 26 start cars yeah, to come back, yeah. which is the traditional maximum that uh, there's ever that there was in modern day well uh, formula one investigated thank yes. you to there that. we go thank, thank you. you to you for that thank you that was uh from the fie fia uh, stuff and um uh, mom in information came from motorsport.com uh, and uh, <laughs> f1 formula1.com itself right so we could theoretically then have 26 cars on the grid 13 teams up till 2025 but Which? 2026 we'll see a big change again I suspect, if I had to guess, that Liberty Media, the current owners of Formula One, would want to bring that number down. I, I honestly Probably. don't think they'd want to see that many cars on the grid. Just my feeling. Well, uh, how many what tracks? Will they bring it down to? I don't know. How many tracks would have to get expanded again? Because the cars are getting bigger, and if you look at tracks like Jetta, right, that already needed to be expanded a little bit, and it was still still yeah, pretty right, tight. Right. You know, can you imagine if it's more crowded? Well, that also depends on if a new Concord agreement comes up on how what the cars look like. And it sounds right. like a lot of the teams don't want bigger cars. No, they I want them to go smaller. I think they, you're right. They want to go more the, the to be the maximum size of like a lot of them are saying that they want they even want to go smaller than 2019 cars. Um, that'd be nice that, yeah uh, but it, even in I think the 2019 with with using a ground effect that's a nice comp I think a fair middle ground size but that's where a lot of the teams are 
talking about wanting to develop towards uh, from what I've kind of researched and seen on around the Twitter spheres and everything. So again, answer to that, to your question, I think that money makes the world go around. If it's going to make a really good, no. sp- if it makes a really good spectacle, I could see maybe 24, 26 cars coming in as long as the, as long as driver's safety is, is answered. That's always yeah. going to be the big concern these days. And that's, and manufacturers to, to, them. That's where my concern would be, right? Is if the cars they are bigger now than they were historically, the tracks are not necessarily much larger. Um how how is crowding it going to look and safety wise? Well, when you, when you say money makes the world go round and I that may be true to an extent. I always thought it was Superman flying around the equator at high speed to reverse <laughs> the rotation of the earth to go back in time to save Lois Lane, but that's a whole other thing. Um <laughs> isn't that part of the objection to the current teams not wanting the Andretti bid or presumably they say that in that they don't want to dilute the pot if you will because yeah. You know, if for any of our listeners who may not know teams make money based on their points if you win a race and get a point for 10th that's and there may be some level at which you need to go beyond a certain number of points to get a a prize pool if you will but you know they get money and they're also charged money on those points the FIA charges them as well so you get the money involved would get diluted unless there's a huge influx of money from those other teams so I I don't know if like at least from what I've read, that's the objection to more teams right now is that some of the existing teams are saying, well, no, we don't want more teams on the grid because they could take away from from our point money. And that's keeping the under the guy, that's keeping in mind that right now with the, the current FIA ruling and what they want is lowering the cost the costs so that teams can get in. Right. And the, the mystical number you're, you've been hearing around is that it's a roughly 200, 300 million to be able to buy in to, to, to allocate an equal amount of, m- of the pot that gets spread out. Right. Yeah. And the F1 teams are saying, well, no, it's not that number anymore. That number was created in like bef- in before right, the sure. turbo hi- right. hybrid era really came, became big. Right. It was has not been readjusted since roughly 2016, 2017. The actual number is closer to 500, 600 million. Because there's, there's m- the more teams that there are, the more high-end teams that there are, the more there's chances of that being dislocated, the more there's potential ties in the in the championship that you would that yeah you would basically lose more of that and because of those costs of you know the points cost that it gets tallied up and summarized at the end of every year. That's why this the reason why Red Bull is being so dominant is always such a question for debate right now is because technically by almost every single set of rules. If a team gets heavily fined for pretend for budgeting ge- budgeting penalties, I'm not going to say cheating because no one likes that word anymore. But budget penalties, but also being uh, taken away from aerodynamic aer- um, wind tunnel testing, yep. plus the amount they paid like something like seven or ten million dollars for their points out their point wins, and then an extra like five million for winning the championship. Yeah. So with those four factors in. Red Bull's development structure should not be anywhere near as good as it has been right now. So that just tells you how far ahead the RB18 really was and what they've unlocked with the little what they have done. They've done some stuff amazing stuff with the RB19, but should be should that's one of the reasons why the teams are really saying investigate this because no other time even when there was budget cap n- there wasn't a budget cap this has never happened before. No yeah. team has made leaps and bounds 
the way Red Bull has this season when they've had all these penalties stacked up against them. Yeah. So that's why the question's for investigation. Why is it such a problem to investigate? That's why. Because it really is a question of how they could do it. Um, but that is one of, what, Walter, what you're saying about all that comes in. With another team coming in, I think that if if an agreed-upon price, whatever the price is, is this is how much they need to pay to so that a fair distribution of what we're what other the current teams are paying in what they're potentially coming out da 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 gets done then I think you could see it but that's a huge that's a re, that's a redux of the concord the concords which won't be happening until twenty five which is why the number of twenty six twenty seven twenty eight keeps coming up because right. who knows when they they are because yeah. some concords this is I think what I was reading up is like the eighth or ninth version of it at least likely yeah, yeah. some concords last five years some last two because things sure, drastically so teams get together and say we want to change this yeah. Yeah. yeah sure so it really depends and this is such a revolutionary era because it is change changing the technology and rever- and bringing things back up so we only i guess the answer to that is we have to see in t- until 2025 24 when this talk comes up again right time will tell as always as always time will tell i would love to see i would love to see what happens with the with the more teams and i think it'd be interesting smaller cars more teams well, I, I want to see Andretti Cadillac on the grid for sure. Um, yeah, how they get there? Do they buy an existing team? Do they launch a new team, which is, I think, their stated intention? Um, I I don't know the status of their application, but I think it's been accepted, he said with a question mark. <laughs> if you can buy me time, I can. Oh, I can buy you time. <laughs> okay. I've got a crazy idea that'll never work. Are you ready? I am. The top five teams right out of season they get a driver taken away for the (laughs) next team sure sure allowing five random teams who want to bid in yeah a pass to get that driver right yeah and then the five lowest team have to give up their seats as well or rebid sure sure right yeah you just you just keep doing that that sort of revolving door rotation. Yeah, however wait, you wait, prefaced right. that is exactly right. It's a wild idea that would never work. It would but, never uh, work. You're, wait, you're right on both counts. It would counts. never work. You're right on both counts. So the f- top teams get to keep their two drivers? No. No, they lose no, no the other way around. So the top five team lose one of their drivers, allowing five new cars and five new teams one driver, right? And those are, we'll call them r- the rotation team. Right. They're mm-hmm. the teams that had the highest bid that year to participate. Right. Yeah. And I'm then they, they, they come in and then the midsection's just two drivers, but it gives the midsection, you know, double chance to get back up there. To and, then uh, lose a driver. To then lose a driver, to then have that rotation. So you really know, just, so, so really just keep it revolving. There's so never gonna be a like, you know, twelve times in a row champion. Yeah, because at this point. you've decentivized the idea I of that. Because why would you want to win a championship to lose Because think of the prestige. If you win the championship, right? One drive. Oh, yeah, I guess. With one driver, your team's gonna keep you on as the one driver. And if you can manage to win five, six, seven years in a row, you know, without a teammate, without your car DNFing, without anything, like the prestige of that team is just like they're conquering. You'd really so, be able so like you really want to win at this point, but it also kind of sweeps away half of the the untouchable competition so that the midsection can move up a bit. 
as well as brings a little bit of chaos with just random new teams that are like, hey, we've got $200 million to spare this year. Here's a car and a driver we'd like to throw them in just I, to see what happens. I need to go back on my earlier statement where I said I'd like to see Andretti <laughs> Cadillac on the grid no matter what. If it's that's how they get on, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair enough. So um, it's too convoluted. Yeah. yeah. So what I found out is that they have not been accept they have not been accepted yet. Okay. But the FIA has sent out the letter of proposals. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, that because they're like trying to cast the net. Yeah. Grab the things in, and that the teams are saying six hundred million. Mm. 600 million is the entry fee. Is the number. Is, 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 well, is the mystical. That, I don't, that's I don't think the teams get to set that number. I think the FIA does. With the, no, with the Concord agreements, they do get to have. They, it lets them essentially have bidding power. Sure. Negotiation well, power, which I, I think is fair. Like, if you're going to add more teams in, and you basically can't necessarily guarantee, or, or not guarantee, but you're going to be adding more taxes for winning, which is what they would essentially, essentially do, yeah. then yeah, the cost gap needs to be bigger. And Andretti can whine Great. and pout about that, but the cost gap, the, co- the entry fee is $600 million. But is it, though? That not that just what the teams are asking for? I think when Andretti put together his bid, or that team's bid, I think there were some conditions that were set forth by the FAA, a process at the time, and it wasn't $600 million at the time. No, so $200 million. Right, and I think that's what they did. So they met all of the FIA's requirements, so to change it now is a bit like a moving goalpost. It doesn't really seem fair. But well, when, is, but that's when but has that word ever been associated with the FIA? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. That, that's actually part of the problem, though, is because the FIA actually legally do not have the right to accept that bid hmm. because that was part of the, what Bernie Eccleston asked for out of it. And what, what are the whole reasons when uh, the president, Mohammed bin Suleyam, was like, yeah. no, there's no way that the $20 billion is is the number all that the FAA cannot say that stuff. They have no actual legal hmm. right and 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 power to say what right, is and isn't fair with the money wise of how okay. much it well, is and and that. Watch this but space. Yeah, and and they can't accept that bid until all ten teams accept that bid. So if okay, well, if they're saying two hundred million nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. like if if two hundred million is not the number anymore because it's just not viable, it would mean that we're essentially paying. Uh, paying more in and not getting even enough back. Like you don't really break even running an F one team. You're not really there not to make usually the upper teams maybe on marketing return, but who knows? Yeah. And but that's the thing, it's not winnings return, it's no, marketing no, no. returns, yes, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's kinda like Disney and merchandising. Like when Disney uh, made these crazy deals with Sony, like, oh how come like Disney finally made like a really low deal to get Spider Man back for Sony? Well Disney put all their all their negotiation into merchandising. Sure. So they got a hundred percent of merchandising of Spider Man and they made like two billion dollars. Right. So they could essentially fund three movies off of Spider Man alone. And yeah. that's when Sony renegotiated saying like this is ridiculous. N- n- Sony was losing money to release a Spider Man film instead of making money. They were only making like fifty million. You know, there's been some questions about who would be the main sponsor for Andretti Cadillac or Andretti GM, whatever it may be. Um, Disney would be a good one. Oh, I hope not. I don't want Disney anywhere near. <laughs> I don't want Disney near I'm any just, more of my life than I'm they just, already are. I'm just telling in terms of money, though, like they could bring a lot of money to the team. Yeah, but they could also bring a lot of like problems with that too, with ownership. And you don't want a Yoda car? No, no, I don't want. I don't. Baby want Yoda? That. No. Alonzo driving it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely We've not. We've touched a nerve. 
I, I'm, the, the fact that you can bring it up and the fact that it is a very real possibility. Well, I think actually you brought it up. Stuff. I just Fair followed enough. through, but you did bring up Disney. You we put you own so <laughs> you, we put you so. Oh my gosh! But yeah, so the n- mystical number that I'm hearing is 600 million that mm. teams want to have as a like. If you really do this, this is a viable. This is a solution that also kind of fixes the problem of not winning money off of Formula One, mm-hmm. which I think that that's fair for the teams to say. Like, if you want to bring more teams in, we've always had this problem that we're never really winning money or making money off of it. Mm. This is the number that lets you bring more teams in and lets us win money. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's an inflated will tell. It's an inflated thing. I will al- al- always say anything that is over the price of 100 million is ridiculous and a clown number, but that's just the way life is. Sure. So. I mean, you mean anything in general or yeah. anything race related? Well, sports 100 related. million is sports is related. pretty low. Yeah, but sports like 100 100 million dollars is is pretty low. Yeah. Yeah, weren't fair, you? Fair you, you were arguing <laughs> for the cost cap to be increased, so you oh, must no, I, I, yeah, like I definitely want feel that, that more. the current one fifty is low. Hundred million it's is not, it's very low. Like one forty. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, I, I know that. I'm just saying that in terms of like money to spend on something, like in general, hundred million dollars is a lot of money. That like, if you really take a step back mm. of the price of a hundred million and what you can get with a hundred million, it's like, man, that's well, a lot of money for a private citizen, of course. But for a corporation like yeah, Audi, I was gonna say yeah, they it's probably nothing. spend more than that on toilet paper a year. Oh, pr- I probably yeah yeah. Like, like it's give me a hundred million dollars and I I completely agree with there's you. There's a deep dive stat. Who can find out uh, how much Audi spends globally on toilet paper? Homie Ooh. in Belgium. <laughs> that's that's how you get on the show. Well, aren't up. um corporate finances uh, supposed to be available to the public? But I, I don't think that I don't think their line items would be that granular. They might just say you know supplies, office yeah. supplies. Yeah. yeah. One thing I will say though, Marianne, your crazy antics. Your your revolutionary Which one? The, the revolutionary take on how how the Formula One championship should be divvied up with drivers and that. Oh yes. What it does do is that it does create a definitive number one driver. It does. Which means that Max Verstappen can get his shoe no. his, his his shoes from Nike. I saw where you were no. going with that. I saw that <laughs> no. a mile away. No, and here's away. why. No, because <laughs> it's not just about the driver; it's the team. That's not right? important though. No, but it is. It is. Right now, Red Bull is number one, not Max. Because guess what? If you take Max out of that Red Bull car and you put in Alonzo, he'd be winning too. Sure. So but then it's not Max being number one. That's a good question, though. Does the number one follow the the, the, the winning manufacturer or does it follow the winning driver? Does well, it have to be both? I, well, I, I think honestly it's don't a know. bit of both. It's yeah. the combination and neither one can own it. Yeah, because there have been instances where and I'm thinking 2007 was this case where. Or seven or eight, but there there are instances where a constructor will win the championship, but not that constructor's driver. Yeah. And so in that case, I mean, in, in those days, it wasn't a case where uh, you could have your own dedicated number like Hamilton has 44 or Bottas has 77 or Max has 33. That's only a, that's a that's, more relatively that's the other newer um, condition, but it used to be just you always f- your number followed your finishing order. Yeah, from the previous season. But again, I really don't know if that was tied to the driver or to the constructor. But I, 
I suspect it'd be the driver, but I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. I'm all right with a number being attached to a driver the same way that like jerseys are. Yeah, well, and right? I think that's why yeah. they did it to sell and more hats. I'm completely okay with that. Yeah, me but too. I like it. With that, it like it doubles up on why Max can't be number one for the Nike but shoes. That's my point. The winning either constructor or driver, or maybe it needs to be both, can choose to take the number one, and that's why he he chose. He purposely chose yeah. to have it. But but it's he's not number thirty three. Exactly. Like, I think technically, technically, Checo has half more right to do it. <laughs> I think I think because like both shoes would make an eleven. Nice. I think technically. Nice. I think technically, <laughs> the rules. He's my dad joke of the day. It was a good one. Uh, I'll give you credit. I'll give you props on that. I think technically in the rules that you're still technically labeled as number 33, but he's in the number one car because he's the championship. Mm-hmm. He's a, it's not his official yeah, right, right, right. FIA regulated number and gotcha. that because he's just it's just the number one here's, car. He's the winner. Right? Yeah. Here's the thing. What's his number on his jersey or his hat? Yeah, one. Because he's in the number one car. It's yeah, not 33? I, I it's was not 33 right now. It's but that's that's where Nike has said that you they can't really do they can't give him the term max one or n- for number one which is the legal thing because there's no actual way that he can legally be called number one. Well, no, because next year it could be anyone. Yeah, exactly, I- exactly. So it it's could not be anyone. It's, it's one of these weird kind of oh my god. Oh, can we call it max anyone? Well, that that was going to be my solution. <laughs> He's just going to call it max one w o n. Yeah. Max won the race. Max won the championship. Yeah. Max won. And that was probably maybe what they wanted from the start anyway, but they Just put it out with the number puns. one to get more more press. Punny shoes. Mm, very. I like it. But yeah. yeah, no, I I I I will stand behind my 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 statement that he's he's not number one. The combination of him in that car, sure. Yeah. Right. No, you're, you're, it's, it's but if you take the car away from him and put him in a McLaren Suddenly, he's not number one. If you take him out of the car and you put Alonzo in the car, you know, suddenly he's not number yeah, one. Yeah, but let's not forget he is in the car. He was in the car and he will continue to be in the car Absolutely. because he is on the contract. So. But it's it's the combination. Yeah. Right. And that's that's where that's that's where my problems with Hamilton started. Also, right. Was uh, his his second world championship or third world championship Mm -hmm. and he's having an interview and it's the only interview i've seen of him and up until recently and and he was he was comparing himself to the greats and it's like well like like relax (laughs) like yes you're winning right now but like this could this could flip over now it didn't because you know he's an amazing driver and everything but it feels like this again where it's like this is max's third possibly third if he wins it third well yeah. he's won two yes. yeah yeah so it, it's possibly his third right we're, we're only two races in but yeah. only two races possibly in, but possibly third. i said possibly You're right. If he wins, yeah. right um and and yeah and, and claiming number one especially on something that is merchandise like shoes it's like you're you're claiming number one for more than just the season, because guess what? People are going to be wearing those shoes in five years. Yeah. But the other the other thing to keep in mind is that Nike also didn't like that it was very close to their Air Maxes. Well, that's the whole issue. Yeah, was it that was an, <laughs> an, an I tied on to it? Then the idea they're saying here, according to Planet F one, that one of the guys was like the number one will be will be regarded as a specification of Max to the extent that he of the assignment agrees. And then Nike kind of went and said. No, like it doesn't solve any of the problems. That one, it's too too similar to Air Max. 
to Air Maxes, unless you want to call them Air Max Ones, and two, to assign it as the term number one versus number one, like Air Max One versus Air Max the number one, mm. then if that's the branding of it, if they're legally yeah. trying to brand it as number one Max, then well, they can't legally do that because there is no way that he can officially be sub- subjectively number one official for the shoe. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. but he can start a company called Max One, and that yes. I mean, so I, that's what I see. I don't see the shoe as being tied to Formula One or to his his rank or his car number or anything related to Formula One. I think he just arbitrarily chose Max One, given obviously, granted, he's won two world championships. That number is on his car. But at the end of the day, if he starts a company called Max One, he can do that. I know, yeah. but there's so many better ones out there. He could be <laughs> Max Performance. <laughs> <laughs> you he know? could be max headroom. He could be max power. I, exactly. So two other great maxes. Max height. You max know. Winner. <laughs> max runner. I think max yeah. headroom, of course, like, was an eighties thing, and, and, and then max power, I think, was from the Simpsons. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. But like, uh, we'll just, just, say just yes. going back to Max Air One, though, as as a shoe. But it wasn't objectively. Air One. It wasn't Max Air. No, One. No, no, it's not. It's Air not. Max. But but you said you said Max Air One or no Air Max well, Air Max One. Well, like the he, he can analyze the run. It's not. It's not yeah. done. Yeah. No, no. I'm. I'm just saying. Forget Max Verstappen for the sec, for a second here, and just Air Max One as a shoe brand. It does have a nice ring. Objectively, it is a good brand name. Oh yeah. Well, like it, it exists. Un, unattached. Yeah. There, there already is a shoe. The Nike Air Max. One is there yeah. really? That's yeah. the issue. Oh, okay. There, there, so Air Max. Oh yeah, a, then it gets a, confusing. Is a line of Nike shoes. There's the Air Max ninety. There's the Air Max one. There's a whole host of Air Max Nike Air Max shoes. Yeah. And so sorry, I know was, nothing of Nike. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. Amongst I was just I was just thinking objectively speaking, Air Max one just sounded like well, a that's really why because cool it, it exists. Yeah. yeah. And okay. It is that's Nike. fair. And I, th- I think the idea would be, be Nike Max ones, and it's like. It's this uh, Nike's like well no it's the same same thing we already have. We, we but already, again they weren't. Yeah. Nike. How about Max he wasn't Heel? Trying to brand a Nike shoe. He it was Nike. It was Nike. Well then why is that Nike was, objecting? A, because Nike already has has the thing. So Nike put the stop the mm. name of him. Nike okay. put a stop to Max Verstappen's Max One clothing brand. Yeah, it's, it's his brand. He's yeah. not he's not la- launching a Nike shoe. He's but it's, la- it's launching his own brand. Yeah, but it's still too close to Nike's to, yes. Air Maxes, which Granted, is yes. Maxes, and then the number one, the, the number one debacle, which yeah. is a sep- kind of a borderline separate thing, but not it's, really. It's served the purpose. It's got people talking about it. Here we just did for twenty minutes. Nike's yeah. getting press. Max is getting press. Red, I'm just Red thinking Bull's of really press. bad punny names it's a for win, shoes. Win, win. Yeah, you know, like Max Toe Room. Yeah, Walter, we're getting to the time where you're. You have to take your leave from us. Yes. And I just wanted to do that because, yes, this is not this is a non-race weekend, but it we is. have a race coming up. It's, I this, can well, just this see it just down the road. Yeah, just down the road. This, this, uh, this um, I believe it's actually Saturday night because it's in Australia. Yeah, the time so zones. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, we'll, one of the things, uh, not the main thing I want to talk about, but I was wondering if you, I think right before we recorded, I finally got to show you the. Um, oh, the Danny Rick the da- vid. Da- we finally got our first version, uh, first Red Bull Danny Rick content. Yeah. Uh, there we go. It is. As gaudy as we kind of expected it to be, um, yeah. but it's fu- it's a fun. Thing. He's having he's having fun. He's driving a car that he won races in. He must be enjoying the time of his life and that. But as a longtime F one viewer and yeah. enthusiast, yeah, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the Australian circuit itself. Sure, yeah, it's Albert fu- Park. Albert Park's a mm-hmm. classic one. Yep. Melbourne, great location. Yeah, um, and one of the more 
kind of fun street circuits. Mm-hmm. You, I think one of the reasons why people love street circuits is because Melbourne street circuits, it's a fun one to watch. Sure. So, what do you think? What are you? What are your thoughts on going in before qualifying the practice? What are you going to be? What are you watching? What are you? Go, what are you going to be looking for when you watch the teams practice? And what about the track makes it so much fun for to you? Yeah, I, and I think thank you for all that. I think uh, it is a street circuit. It is, as the name implies, in a park more or less. So, well, not more or less. It is in a park, and so because it is a street circuit, although a bumpy one, uh, maybe bumpier than Jeddah. I think I'll look to Sergio Perez to have some momentum coming off his win in Jeddah uh, on another street circuit in a very strong car. We know that. However, saying all of that, do you know how many times Red Bull has won the Australian Grand Prix? Never. Just once. One really? Time? Yeah, in 2011 with Sebastian Vettel. Oh. So Max Break didn't win last year. No. Uh, Red Bull has only won once, and it was in 2011. So I don't know. You know, it's a jinx. It's a curse. It is what it is. I don't know. Uh, so I'll be watching for Red Bull in practice to see how they look and then to wait for something in the race to happen that they won't win because it just they have not won for decades. Could could you imagine this scenario? Right. <laughs> Going into <laughs> Thursday, Friday practice. Sergio Perez yeah. has something has something. Can't race. Mm. Danny Rick. Danny Rick. The golden boy. Love it. Australia's hero comes in right on the last lap. Love it. Vax is tapping for the win. Danny Rick, number two car, doing well, crashes to Max Verstappen and, and <laughs> starts the curse. And George, <laughs> and George Russell wins. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, jinx myself for that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, sure. it'll be Alonso. But here's a fun thing, though. It'll most likely be a, an Alonso win if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And there's always a little secret thing of Alonso, 101st podium. Every person that's had a 101st podium is a race winner. That the 101st podium was the top step is what you're saying. The 101st podium? Yeah. Everyone that has 101 podiums? Yeah. The 101st was on a win. Was a win. a second or a third. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting race no matter what because Alonso, what's he going to do in that car? And Um, another. another Last year, it was a grand slam for Leclerc. Yeah. He had the uh, fastest lap, the pole, and he won the race. So. I I think you set a new lap record, too. Uh, I don't no, know if it was a lap record or a track record, but I do have his fastest lap from that race. It was a 120.26 last year. So that's also something I'll be watching for this year to see, you know, uh, the cars are supposed to be slower, but they have been quicker in some cases. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see Especially what sort of times they'll be hitting in practice and, of course, in qualifying. Yes. Well, well there is always a pleasure to have you here. Likewise. It's uh, sad that you can't stay for the full time, but... I agree. Whatever. It's we'll always have chime, times to chat. We'll probably well, see each other. And I'll be listening. You know, last week too, I had to leave after the first hour, and I was truly listening in my office. I sent a couple yeah. notes and text messages to you, so I'll continue to tune in today. But yeah, yeah. thanks well, for having me as always. Yes, and every and not just to you, Walter, but anyone that sends us texts or tweets or anything, we'll read them live on air or in the as part of the broadcast because I, I think I read yours. Uh, depending what they say. Depending yes, what they course. say. Yeah. Depending yeah. what yeah. they say. As long as they're appropriate. But caveat. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of the show. Enjoy the race on the weekend, and we'll see you all next time. Well, Marianne, we have a very special thing we have to to do. We do? Yes. We had our first listener call in to station manager Aaron Levy. Oh, no, you don't want to do this. No. Okay, so real preference. Listener, whoever you are, thank you so much. We appreciate the call. It was a really insightful thing. 
Um, but we're going to not jump into this topic because it will no, 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 absolutely... No, 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 go for it. It's okay. It's okay. Well, no, we'll tell you what he says, but we'll just preface with saying we won't jump deep dive onto it. It's a fun one to deep dive because, Marianne, you get incredibly excited about this. You know, I've talked about it a few times off air uh, and around, around the campus. I don't know if it's excited or emotional, but I get... I get Look, I drive one. I get drive in the mood one. about it. Look, I drive the type... I drive a Mazda and... Uh, so I just gave it away here, but I drive a Mazda, so it gets me excited about you it. And you don't have a rotary engine. No, but I'll do no, four for Okay, one. read it, because the, now the people, is, just read it. From, from Caller X, you're, you're my guy, says, uh, what is it? He I said he would like to see points awarded uh, for diversity in, of engines, like when Mazda came in the ro- with the rotary engine in the old days. Very cool idea. One thing is, is in Formula One, we can't really do that. It'd be really cool to see if that, that, that were to happen. But in other world championships, I think this one was an endurance championship when the rotary engine came in. Or was I, it I have no idea actually of its um, racing history. I can let you like Google that up if you yeah. want. All I know is that in the in the street racing scene, I guess, or in the in the car meet scene, right? At one point, it got a really bad rap, and mm-hmm. people were like. At first, it was like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. And then they're like, oh, but they never last. And it's like they never last because people didn't know how to drive them. They're a high RPM engine. And that is different. Right. And so this is my my defense rant for the rotary engine is that it needs to spin quickly. And so instead of shifting gears at like two to four uh, thousand RPM, which is usually when you're going to shift gears in in your little honda civic or whatever right when you're doing it with with an rx7 like you really have to go high up there into the seven eight nine hundred um rpms or thousands whatever for for you got to go until the needle hits the seven eight nine all right red line a day keeps the mechanic away yes well, yes. no, not for normal engines. I well, mean, for the rotary. But for the rotary, yes, because without those high speeds, you don't have enough centrifugal force to really have the lubricant and the gasoline like not burn with each other, mm-hmm. right? And like, if you and if you, you need, need a certain amount of of spin force of that centrifugal force, and and yeah, and and so they did they did become like quick into fashion and then way out of fashion because people didn't know how to drive them properly and then they kept breaking down everywhere and they're like oh this is not a reliable engine because it keeps breaking down but it's like it's it's actually your fault but you know what it's fine yeah it's it's fine it's, fine. it's sad it's but fine. it's fine also i don't know i don't know what the racing history is with the rotary engine um i'd imagine actually it should in some racing is did it ever show up in in formula one historically i can't find formula one but it is on the mazda 787b which was let me give me a second here do 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 group c sports prototype racing car developed for japanese and the world sports car championship the wsc okay so and then all obviously and and the 24 hour i knew was the 24 hour le mans yeah, so yeah. Le Mans was in there, um, and it's mainly just the, sp- the the sports car championships, not F one, uh, but yeah, but it, it, but it's exactly um, what you were saying though, where it came in, it failed for a very long time. Yeah, like, it was not. Yeah, it was not. It took good. a while to uh, tweak. Yeah, and then but. the uh, 
and then the they got the six seven seven six seven B was a failure. Seven 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 was a was a near failure, and then seven eight seven came in and completely blew the entire competition out of the water. Yeah. Which then, like the next year, people like this was in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, the next year, people were kind of saying that this is in ninety two, I think. Um, yeah, racing. History. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds about right because it was. It was around the late 90s, early 2000s that people were like, oh, RX-7s and rotary engines, they're like super powerful and great for racing and everything. And mm. then it was... Still, still in, in Japan, it's still very big. It's still, it's yeah, still very probably. Big there, so. um, but then I know that at least in the, in the car meet circles that I um, have circled with, um, it fell out of favor around the 2010s. And uh, and 2015s, and it was like, well, yeah, it was good back in the day, but they don't last, and they keep breaking down, and it's more of a novelty thing is how it's treated. At least, again, in the circles that I circulate in, I, there's a mm-hmm. word, mingle. I don't know. You know what? My I, language skills today, zilch. I had one friend that had an old, had a, I don't know if it was an, it was an RX-8. He had, he had an RX-8. And when we would drive, he'd have to sit there in his car and let it idle for a bit and then rev it a few times. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want it to, to flood on me. And he was so <laughs> worried about flooding because his, uh, his, so he's like, Redline the Wake, he's the mechanic of Wake Terran. Just always remember that. Rotary engine for life. He's like, okay, man. Um, and he still has an RX-8. There you go. He There's someone who knows how to drive. Does not drive it. Has not. Oh. I don't think he'd, he's well, driven it for so long, but he still has it. I think he takes it out in the summertime and, and bombs around a bit. And then well, no. still got a little six gear. He, every now and then, he like he's on his Instagram, he'll send me pictures like, driving it out, man. It's like, you'd you'd want to drive it during the summer. You don't want to drive that during the, the no, winter. No, that's what I'm saying. Is that that yeah. he only? I think he only insures it in the summertime so that he can bomb around on it and then yeah. just go absolutely nuts. I think he's incredibly, incredibly happy for about three months in a year. And then he has to be full dad mode when his, when his really young kid goes to school and, uh, and September and he can't drive the car anymore. Oh, he's, that's his, yeah, Okay. I was going to say, very, but, very young but and he has to go into dad bot dad mode and then he's oh. like, I can't drive this. And like, he has a special day every like September where he's like, last day out with the beat, with the beast. And like, no, that's, that's fair. I was, I was confused for a sec. So I'm like, okay, but, out here you guys get a good like a good six months six to eight months right where you can have your car out yeah um, realistically without like having any concerns of like salt damage or anything like that yeah. like i know uh when i had my eclipse i was out east and that was a uh, five months out of the garage kind of thing and then the rest of the time it's like only insured for storage because you can't drive it with snow. No, it was. And was this the eclipse that looked like the late amazing Paul Walker's eclipse? No, Fast? no, okay, no. I told you, I never. No one, no one owned that. That was the real one that just went to my brother's shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mine was. Um, it was a twenty twenty eight, so it had the bubble butt. You know, <laughs> yeah. Twenty twenty eight. You mean two thousand eight? It was a two thousand eight. Sorry, my I my head that. is. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I preferred I, the other design. I didn't like the design. I, I'm I, a late '90s girl. Yeah, like I like nin- the boxy JDMs. Yeah, the you one, know. the one that looked like there was that that car, the Talon that you see every now and then. That yeah. looks like a very discount version of the well, of the Eclipse. I think it pretty much was that. But I liked that version of the Eclipse. I didn't mind the neck, the early 2001, where they had it a little more sleeker, a l- longer, but um, more like a like a four-door coupe i didn't mind yeah. it i preferred the spider but what i didn't like is that the spider version always came uh soft top 
convertible, and I don't like soft top convertibles. And then I liked the 2008 one, but I, I felt that it wasn't so much of a sports car rather than a, it's it's a coupe. It's for like a 30-year-old dad. And then I liked my boxy. Um, that I was don't know. I, call, yeah. I, called, I called her my Batmobile or Toothless because she was all black. It was a, a 2009. Um, I'm, uh, my, my memory's shot, but it's coming back. It was a, a 2009. It was all black. And um, it looked like Toothless, but... I, uh, I, I, I felt like that wasn't really, you know, it's, it's not a very. Was that your first car? It was my first car. Yeah, that's a better first Actually, car. Actually, no, it's not. It wasn't my first car. It was, it was my second car. My first car you're was a 94 Lumina and, uh, and everyone kept thinking I was a, a cop. You're already like soaring far ahead than I have ever done on my, <laughs> my, my first car. You're my also talking to someone who doesn't drive. Yeah, anymore. but my first car was a 96 Ford Probe. Mm. That was a hand-me-down from my older brother because he got a 93 Ford Probe and then was driving it and there was a defect in it and the car engine caught on fire and the engine, he was on the highway. The Sounds engine, lovely. The engine caught on fire and it melted the cooling pipe because on the sides of the Ford Probe, the cooling pipe sits before the gas pipe Yeah, that feeds into it, the injection pipe. And it melted the cooling, and the coolant flew all over the engine yeah. and slowed down the fire, which allowed my brother to turn the engine off, coast to the side, and leave the car. And when they checked, when the mechanics checked it over, he was like, the the gas pipe was melting. And if, the, and if the and it's literally just a Ford probe thing because yeah. everything was they were always reversed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it had been in any other car, my older brother would have been dead because it would have hit the gas and blown up. Yeah, but because it hit the the coolant it melted and that and fun thing and then so that so not fun thing well fun that thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> fun car thing, crashed but yeah so my that brother almost died yeah. fun thing eh, you know what <laughs> it, he's already immortalized by my, by my family would have just added more fuel to that fire <laughs> but uh <laughs> he then decided that he wanted to buy another ford pro because it saved his life and he has this very sentimental value to it mm. so then i my family as we mentioned multiple times off air was we've, been, we've always never been we've never been a family that can just go buy things right yeah so ford probe got hand me down to me the thing sucked i hated it um and then eventually it got to the point where we realized that it was a like the person didn't really buy the proper engine for, had it yeah had an engine swap and then hadn't put the proper engine so we put the proper mazda engine a, Ma- a Mazda based uh, V6 engine and then um, it was a great it was the greatest <laughs> driving week of my life very tight so gearbox. you had a Mazda engine and a Ford which well because it was the time that Mazda and Fords were working together yeah. and built and built this thing was developing a li- I re- if you research this the Ford Pro body would go on to become the RX-7 body uh, was was in, like the RX-7 was taken off that Mazda that, yeah. that was very much a Mazda design uh, and then uh, I had a, a glorious Mazda-based engine for a week and a half of my life. There you go. And then I tried to be very, very driver zoom, safe. Zoom. I turned my, I rear-ended someone and totaled the car. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Back up to the beginning of that phrase. You said I was trying to drive safe, and you rear-ended someone. Now explain the logic. Well, I was trying to drive safe, and I was at the day. This day, I was hanging out with a bunch of friends. 
and a couple of friends were at my house and I was going to pick up another one. Right. And then I, my phone was buzzing off and my phone, because I had it on vibrate and, and everything, this is before you could really do the silence and stuff. I was about like 18, never drove, had no problems with that. I was turning, trying to turn my, my cell phone off. Right. And in the split second that I was turning my cell phone off while I was, I thought I was breaking down. I completely admit this is completely stupid of me to do. Never do this. Just let it buzz and fall into your lap and leave it there. Don't ever touch it. Don't ever touch your phone. If your phone falls off the console while you're driving, leave it. It's lost forever until you stop. That's my lesson I learned. But I turned my phone off, and in that split second I turned my phone off, I rear-ended re someone while I was stopping. There you go, and folks. Yeah, that's Keep the off lesson. your phone when you're driving. And then I didn't have a. Then I didn't have a Mazda-based car for a number of years until two years about a year and a half ago when i got my master three sport which i absolutely absolutely adore i love it it's called the mazdalorian don't you ever make that face don't make you don't you don't you dare make that grimace again you've driven my car you no, you haven't driven i haven't you've, driven your you've been car, in my car. It i've is been in nice. your car it's a nice once you get used I to just don't like <clears throat> hatchbacks oh. see like I used i'm to a not sedan be a yeah but fair. like keep in mind again like i said i'm a late 90s boxy you know shape kind of girl which makes no sense because you know it's not aerodynamic whatsoever but i i like my cars to have a shape i don't like it when they look like a side section of a wing you know that's and like you know which companies i'm talking about where it's like it looks like you took an airplane wing and just dissected a little slice for yourself like a nice little slice of cake on wheels um i don't like that i was I was the weirdo that, like, when we were watching the first Fast and Furious, um, and I was, like, 12 at the time, Jesse's Jetta. That's a sick Jetta, Was though. my favorite car of the whole bunch. That's a sick Jetta, though. It is. It is. That's an iconic. But I, you can I see what would... I mean with the boxiness. Like, it's yeah. a box on a box. <laughs> you want So you must have loved the 2005 Lancer. I did. I did. Absolutely, I did. I've, I've unlocked some pain so many for the oh. more Moral of the story, though, Mazda Rode engine was great. Thank you, listener. I love my Mazda, too. And it reminds yes. And, and just you unlock so many fun memories of, of from Marianne and I with our, with our love for Mazda Rode engines. That deep, like, you can hear it a mile away in the summertime when you know there's an RX-8 and RX-7 guy driving around. You're like, or girl. RX7 yeah. driver. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally you've, fine. You, you know what you've done is that you have given us the perfect example that although this is the F world and we focus on Formula One, when it comes to engines, when it comes to cars, when it comes to um, petrol heads in, in general, you can just throw a topic out there and we will run with it and forget where we are and what we're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? We're talking here about just the fun of driving and racing. Absolutely. And they're legal really racing, I should say, legal, legal racing. racing. The, okay. the, the Always race legally on tracks. Yeah, the the couple times that I I uh, what was it bracket racing? Raced. No, no, no. The few times I got to drive my friend's RX-8 really, yeah. really fast. On a track. Uh, on tracks. On a track. Uh, yeah, on pavement of some sort. Uh, <laughs> it was. It's it's just so much fun. There really is. Like I don't know. I there's something about driving a car. To your limits and and the machine's limits, you really yeah. connect with it with each other in its own sp- metaphysical, spiritual way. And it was something fun. And the Mazda rotary engine is a lost gem to time of just standardization and and that. So yeah, it would be cool. Well, you know, the thermal efficiency of that engine too was um, 
was very, very good. I'm, I'm losing mm. words. I cannot speak English today. Um, but it was, it was a lot, from what I remember, I could be wrong on this, but I feel that it was more uh, proficient when looking at the thermal efficiency. So just for any listeners that aren't, you know, in with all the, the, the knowledge and everything, I'm just going to explain. When an engine burns fuel, typically you have one third of energy, which is turned from heat into mechanical energy, right? And that's um, the pistons with the explosion, turning the crankshaft and making the car move forward. You have another third that is typically lost um, within the intake and the exhaust and just by the fact that you're dealing with vapors. And then you have another third of the performance or potential performance of burning that fuel that is lost to literally the heat and warming up of the engine, which is why engines need to be cooled and everything. So the more contained an engine can be with, um, with its heat, the more uh, it's less of a 3-3-3 three, three, three split, and you can have more of that potential energy go towards the mechanical forces. I don't know if I've explained this properly. Usually I have a whiteboard and I can draw a little diagram. Well, next next episode. I'll bring in that, a whiteboard. Yeah, next. This is uh, a radio show. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to help no one. We'll, we'll, we'll send pictures <laughs> and, and put it all over Instagram. All over, it'll be good social media content. But yeah. not maybe not next episode because there'll be a race we have to talk about. But the next non-race episode, which will be the week after, we should definitely let you just go watch. Go wild. No, for with, sure. With the rotary engine. And I will, well, not just the rotary engine. I'm just with saying thermal engines. efficiency in general. When you hear that term as someone who isn't engine savvy, you now know what that means. The thermal mm-hmm. efficiency is how much of that potential fuel power is lost to heat, which does apply a lot with um, Ferrari, right? Yes. A lot of their problems that they were having last year were due to thermal efficiency patterns being ridiculously off. And that's also something that uh, in one of the, in one of our now articles... Now we're back to F1, by yeah, the way. Back to F1. Uh, but F1. In, one of, in one of our articles, though, you also mentioned that uh, briefly, and then I think it's some edits that took it out, but we eventually wanted to go back to it, that Renault kind of figured out that their engine, their current engine, has a really good thermal frequency? or uh, No, no, no. The Re- Renault thing was, um, that was for the pneumatic valves. No. Uh, that, um, that was a different one. That was a different, that was a different oh, one. The, the new engine, you said it has, it's a big bit bigger, has a little bit more space for thermal, thermal stuff, and is able to cool itself really, really well. I think I remember that oh, being it. That was we were yeah. It was a, it was Possibly. a while ago that we really I talked don't. about it a lot. But it'd be a, it'd be a fun one to research as to why these engines, to kind of what um, to why these engines are even though they're very very regulated and very very similar. And you you, you had mentioned before uh, last episode about the pneumatic valves, the split turbo. They get standardized, but they are get they do get very different. So what are the really fun ep- engines currently? What differences do they have that make them different? Com- when you think about how Santa's yeah, out, that I would I would have to research a little bit more. Well, we I'll got be your honest, next assignment, right? Um, as to the differences in the engines because of um intellectual propriety or property, I don't know. Anyways, because of you know, um, certain certain informations on the engines might not be available to me. 
right? And so I will look into it, but I might not have an answer. It was the same thing. I was supposed to come back with an answer of uh, what happened with Stroll's DNF and why, what happened with the brake failure from uh, from Albon's car. But and it turns, no, turns no out there's been it. no talk. Any any of the clickbaity um, articles I've been looking into all say the same thing, that like Just they hint at the issues behind the engine failure, but really their hint is Stroll going, I don't know what happened. Yeah. So <laughs> Which like the driver. It's like not. it's not really a hint, but, but you know. It, um it would be cool to the li- what the listener is saying though. It would be cool if you know when the new engine regulations come into to effect and the development of the new en- engine and the new Concords come up <coughs> if it can be dis- rediscussed that let us have more engineering philosophies. Let us have yeah. not so, like keep in mind that there's there's a here are the standard set of rules that we must abide by, but let us have development changes let us really add points to engines that really that kind of come out of left field that that were like oh my god how is this engine going to work holy crap this engine's working this engine's holy (laughs) crap this this engine's beating us give them 10 points for developing amazingly well their car sucks (laughs) but their engine's amazing like let's bring back the circle formation for the pistons you know just make it look like a jet yeah (laughs) let's just do that let's just you know what you know what who needs driver halos? Who needs? Yeah. No, we yeah. definitely need driver halos. This this shows <laughs> us why we need them. But um, but you know what? Going into into the 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 more technical aspect of everything, I wasn't able to find out about the DNFs. Um, one thing I was and did look into, and that I know you wanted to speak about, was the T thirty nine. Yes, the T. So everyone knows everyone. TD TD Yes. Recently, there has been a little bit of a silent removal, which I think is a very ironic thing from the F- an FAA that says that they really want to uh, be transparent about what they're doing. That was our whole argument in 2020 and 2021 was how if, how transparent uh, this new FAA will be. It has not been transparent at all. And then it's also on top of that irony, the fact that the technical directives, because Marianne, you and I had some trouble trying to find the official wording of the technical directives. Yeah, they're not open to the public. Not open to the public. So how can we be transparent about something that that you can't that not well, open? No, no, but that's, but that's a different. Con- that's that's a different type of transparency, right? Because there is, um, it's not because it's not open to the public that it's not open to the teams, right? And so when the FIA say we would like to be more transparent, who are they talking to? Are they talking to, the to us or are they talking to the teams? Yeah, to the teams, but. This technical directive, the TD39 forward slash 22, as it's technically called, uh, was a regulation change to specifically the floors, I believe. Yeah, the right? floor height. The floor height. That made it so that when going that from so 13 millimeters, it went to tw- to 15 millimeters This between the two seasons. And, and that, or technically and during the going, season. They're going back. So what happened is mid-season, last season, well, I mean, after witnessing Baku, Specifically right. with the W13. Specifically with the W13 and and watching Hamilton get out of there in, in a lot of back pain. Um, so there's a purposing effect that happens with the downforce of Formula One. And I've just said a lot of large words that originally I don't know what they mean. So I'm going to explain them for the listeners again who want to learn about this and um, maybe don't know what these terms are. So the downforce is obviously the force that presses down on the car as it goes really fast with the aerodynamics of it. So just the the wind tunneling effect kind of if you want. What happens is um, these cars are put under extraordinary forces 
as they go extraordinarily fast. And there's a bounce effect that happens. And the purposing is the bouncing that happens when the car bounces, the wheels are staying. Purposing. Purposing. I cannot pronounce. You know what? P-O-R. You know what? Let's blame it on the French. So. Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> that <here>. face. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all four wheels are during this effect. Are all four wheels are um, still touching the floor? It's just a suspension and the floor of the car that is um, flexing and and fluxing and flexing and fluxing, right? And makes the car bounce up and down and up and down and up and down. The wheels they stay on the track. Now. That can um, obviously be very painful because of all the the bouncing that you are literally sitting in as you are going extreme speeds and trying to drive. This can be mitigated by different ways. And uh, and one of the easiest, simplest ways is to raise the car. Which is what they did. Which is what they did. They raised it uh, by 15 millimeters. The, no, they raised it to 15 millimeters. Two 15 millimeters. Yeah, they, I think they raised it by like two or f- yeah, yeah. two to five. Which like that. really doesn't sound like much, but yeah. um, does a world of difference. And so so now they've, uh, I guess, gone back on that decision. It's really hard um, to find the exact phrasing of it, but everyone's interpretation is that they've gone back on this. Some people have you know, tried to declare that, well, this is a little unfair for Ferrari as they were affected by the um, original TD39. That Yeah, the TD39 and when we researched it, it was the TD39 and some of the engine, the power unit changes, which was which happened around exact around the same time, yeah. affected Ferrari's pace the most. To that, and, and why I don't want to spend too much time on Ferrari, is that uh, my understanding of the regulation problems that they had was with the flex-flux rule, which is allowing the floor of the car to flex no more than two millimeters mm-hmm. of wiggle room, if, uh, if you'll have it. Um, which has nothing to do with the height. Yeah. Um, oh, I got, Con- okay. I, I, it, it, if you want to do a reach, you could say that it affects the height because it's affected by the amount of force that is forcing it to flex and flux, and the downforce is affected by the height of the car. So I guess in some reaching kind of sense, but it could be argued that um, the two regulations don't have much to do with yeah. each other. For, from my understanding, Ferrari's kind of point was – this does affect them because they hit that weird gray area of where their flex flex four, which is technically deemed illegal, um, was breaking that uh, that gray is is moving past the gray area. And so yeah. when they had to redevelop their floor, it was more of a money of redeveloping the floor, refiguring out what floor is going to work for their concept and. Overall, it did slow their pace and boost Red Bull's pace a little bit because Red Bull basically allowed they allowed a little bit of development te- room for the teams to do, and Red Bull was able to develop already what they were developing. That's not a, a dig on Red Bull; it's just factually what happened. Yeah, it was also mainly though this was put into place to help driver safety and help driver health, and that's the big thing. And then so removing that, I think that a lot of um, you know, a lot of F1 content makers and F1 engineers and questioners are saying, will this incentivize cars to not be safe again? And I think what the FIA and the Formula One are kind of, the FIA technical directors are trying to say is, no, we think that you will have, you have developed it 
And those, again, my interpretation, not their actual words, but I feel the interpretation I kind of feel is trying to say, no, we just think the teams have developed enough to know that the problem, how to get rid of the problem. Yeah. And or the, the flexiflor rules get rid of the problem itself. And therein lies, lies the problem with myself trying to form an op- opinion on this is that um, there's not enough information. All the information I can find is secondhand. Yes. It's all people saying this is what it means, but they're not showing us what they're translating or interpreting. And for me, I like to I, I like to understand how other people understand material, but I like to have that material to try to interpret myself. And we don't have access to the technical directory 39 or any of the other ones. Um, as well as we don't have the the authorization to see how this has changed uh, the regulations since. Mm-hmm. Um, so because they might go back on it and just it might do a race with people with teams now trying to lower their cars again. Porpoising comes back problems comes up and then they put it back into place again. Who knows? Maybe maybe they're replacing it with something else. I have no idea. Yeah. And I think th- I think a lot of it comes into a, one of the biggest critiques of of this season so far has been from the drivers at least has been that following is still hard especially with these ground effect cars yeah. because the outwash is so tough to difficult and this um, from 2022 to 2023 part of the outwash has to do with, with the venturi tunnels on in the underfloor and it coming back so where cars are hoping to get slipstreams which in the original practice was that these ground effect cars would allow strip slipstreams to be created more they kind of went the other way and raising the raising the floor means that there's more outwash and more dirty air, so that the cars can't actually slip through and 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 overtake without DRS as much. Which is which was Carlos Sainz's uh, question after uh, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Which then this this floor change comes up. So maybe this is a, their way of saying let's go back to what the original design was, see if the racing gets a little bit better now that we've developed out of the porpoising, or hopefully have developed out of the porpoising, and then we go see from there. I think there's still a lot of Let's see what I happens, mean, Con. Judging Let's see what, what happens, we've thinking. seen so far, I wouldn't say they've developed past the purposing, but porpoise, porpoising. No, and you I think I think porpoising. The word I can't. The p word. Yeah. I, I think call it the p word. I think ultimately porpoising is something that we're really going to have to deal with. It was not we. We as in racing fans, or we as in like, uh, and they as in racing engineers. In this ground effect era, it's something that I think is going to be coming up more and more again because that's just the physics of ground effect and aerodynamics. Porpoise, the porpoising issues are like Hi. a factor of it, but yes, no. There, there's the thing is there's a lot of factors and variables that play into uh, that effect. The P word effect, which I'm word not, effect. I'm, I'm done trying to pronounce because <laughs> that's just not <laughs> happening for me today. Um, but do you think this? Do you think that this now? will give us what maybe some Ferrari fans have been hoping for. Ferrari comes back with a new floor and just no. trounces the <laughs> trounces the, the thing. No, Ferrari if Ferrari's problem was just their floor, they um <laughs> they'd be winning. <laughs> they'd be doing well actually. They'd be, they'd be doing know, I think I think I think there's more than just floors for that. I um, think Ferrari's problem is just Ferrari. <laughs> that's that's kind of like mean. Well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, um, it's mean, but it's specifically about how it's owned, how it's all put together. And no, what. I do I do think it's going to affect Mercedes, though, because uh, they do have a problem with bouncing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's it's pretty visible when you 
watch them go beside any other car. Yeah. Um, they, they, they visibly have a problem with bouncing. And I know that they've uh, reported that they have less of a problem this year with that. And I'm assuming raising the floor had a little bit to do with it as well as uh, some redesigns. But it's still, when we're looking at the race, they, 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 Russell and, and Lewis, they're still going up and down, up and down there, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a little concerning and, for them. I, I hope that whatever, whatever changes are made, um, in whichever direction that, uh, the drivers stay safe and, yeah. uh, and make it through it. That, yeah. yeah. I think that's what we always hope. Could you imagine if it just unlocks the secret of the W14 and they're just all of a sudden, if it somehow does the opposite of what everyone thinks is going to happen. And it's like, man, Mike, this was, oh, this was the way it was supposed to be in my total voice. And no. then just went and just unlocks it. And no. All of a sudden, don't, don't take my hope away from me. No. Let me have it's this one. You shouldn't <laughs> have this hope. Look, so it's I, I have a team that I support uh -huh. through thick and thin. Yeah. This is the thick. No, this is just what you. This is what you have to deal no. with. You, you know what? There is there is there is a difference. I am a a Mercedes fan. Yeah, I wish Mercedes well, but I'm also a realist. I'm slightly a contrarian, and can say slightly, that slightly, slightly, slightly a contrarian. Slightly a contrarian. <laughs> you want to go back and replay the tape where you explained <laughs> the, the craziest rule set of Formula One history? <laughs> that would be the most. That would be the, the wackiest. I'm a bit of an agent of chaos <laughs> from time to time. It'd be, it would be one hell of a series to watch, though. You know that rule set I, that would be so no, you wanna, nuts to see. You want to you want to see an even better rule set? No, a crazy rule set of the day number two, of how Formula One should never ever ever run, is um, treat. <laughs> You're gonna hate this. Um, so yes, the drivers, right, have mm -hmm. to rotate one car to the left at every race throughout the whole circuit. I don't even know how to understand <laughs> how that could work. So, so let's say, let's say. <laughs> this is why we should just not have any more spots without Walter no, around no. so they can keep let's you in check. <laughs> so you've got like a Ferrari beside an Austin Martin, right? At the lineup. Mm -hmm. Well, at the beginning of that lineup, all drivers must hop to the car to the left. Do they switch cars? They well, no. The then they go behind. So uh, whoever is in P twenty, that driver runs all the way up and gets to drive the P one car. Like at a red light. This <laughs> 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 is the red light game. That yes, it's the drives. red light game. <laughs> oh my god! And do this every race. So what like the the person who's now in the Red Bull car. Let's be honest, right? Where um. Wherever they end up with the Red Bull car, next race, they still have to get out of that car, and it's a completely different driver that gets into the Red Bull car. But does so that mean does all that the mean cars and drivers keep rotating like musical chairs? But does the constructor get the points if the Red Bull car Absolutely. wins? And does the driver get the points if the Red Or is it still Max Verstappen's? Point, points, no, points are split. So if you win, half the points go to the constructor, half the points go to the driver. Okay. Right, and you just keep going, and so if so you're if like you're if you're a god of a driver, you can drive in any yeah. car so and make it like to the front. And if you're a god of a constructor, it doesn't matter what driver it is, and it's always going to be at the front. And you just keep rotating, and everyone gets one race in the good car, <laughs> one race, <laughs> one race yeah. in a McLaren. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, one race in the McLaren. 
You know, I I really can't comprehend. Like, I I can't fathom this. It'd be hilarious to see because it'd then be the best game show th- ever. It'd be amazing. I don't think it'll fit in Formula <laughs> One, but it'll at no. least give Alex Albin and our boy Logan Sargent a chance to win some points. And who kn- who knows what happens? It could even get hey, You know what? It could even give Haas their first win. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to see Botas in a Red Bull car. Oh my god! I feel like that'd be unlock a whole bunch of potential. Right. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Marianne, we have to say goodbye. It's the I final. Know. It's so you don't like this. We don't like saying goodbye because we always have too much fun on this show. But so we're going to say goodbye for at least another week or so. We'll come back. Don't worry. We'll be back. We'll be back next week. Post Australia. Definitely post Australia on Monday, one o'clock on Civil Radio, one hundred one point seven FM, yes. broadcasting to Abbotsford and CFVL.ca broadcasting worldwide. Don't worry, you can find us on demand anywhere at spot on Spotify, the F World. Uh, just search that in. You can reach out to us on Twitter, the F World underscore Pod, uh, on the Twitter, and then on Instagram, the F World dot Pod. And as always, email can the F World dot Pod at gmail dot com. Please email. We'll reach us out and. The Discord, I always seem to forget the Discord, but you can find us on the Discord, the F World Podcast, and and reach out, talk to us, have a lot of fun with us. We want to hear from you. Trigger our engine memories. Oh my memories. gosh, don't even start with me on the trigger the engine. Like, no, don't even, like, yes, please do. We want to enjoy that. Oh my God, I'd love to talk about the boxer <laughs> engine. You gotta pick a lane here. It's so good. <laughs> yes. Yes, but no, yes. <laughs> who knows? To our, li- <laughs> to our special listeners who, are, who listen already, and to our listener in Belgium, we're yours in racing. Have a good night. Or good day.